This presentation has been previously broadcast. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello, so glad to have you here for this hour of The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond, and uh, I hope your Tuesday's off to a good start. Uh, Now, I don't know about you, but... I don't think I've ever seen an emergency room at a hospital that wasn't busy. Uh, The few times that I've gone into an ER, there's always been a long line of people just waiting to be seen. Whether I'm the one who needs to be seen or if I'm taking somebody else to be seen by a doctor, it's never a short wait there at the ER. Last night, after finishing dinner, we'd cleaned up, we'd put away leftovers, and my 12-year-old That's my son, Sam. He was chasing around my 10-year-old daughter, Eden, and they're just kind of racing around, kids being kids. I was in another room playing a game with my 14-year-old daughter, and my wife, Baylen, she came in and said, I'm going to have to go take Eden to urgent care. (laughs) And I said, whoa, okay, what, what just happened here? And Baylen explained that while they were playing, while they were chasing each other, Sam had apparently run into Eden with enough force, his elbow ended up hitting her upper arm. And it now was causing significant pain for Eden to the point that she just couldn't stop crying and she was having difficulty bending her arm at the elbow. And so we said, hmm, you know, is this one of those things where we wait and we try and take her in tomorrow? No, we might need to take her in tonight if there's something serious that happened. But it was after seven o'clock when this took place And we did a quick online search of all the different nearby urgent care facilities. And unfortunately, all of the ones that were closest to us, they all closed by 7. So it had to be the emergency room at the hospital. And we knew that was almost certainly going to be this long, boring wait. Now, one of our older daughters, she has been back visiting us for the last couple of days. This is Anya. She's 20, and she arrived Saturday to stay with us. She got there in the evening. She's planning to be with us for about a week. And after that injury to Eden's arm, Anya said, hey, I'll, I'll go along. She was going to go along with Baylan and Eden to the ER just to keep Eden company, which I thought was this very sweet gesture because Anya, she knew that it was going to be a long, boring evening if she went along. And if she's walking in there now with COVID restrictions that we still have in place in different medical facilities in our community, it means Anya would have to stay back in the waiting area while Baylen went in with Eden when she got called to be seen by a doctor. But this was okay with Anya. She was more interested in just being alongside her younger sister, helping to sympathize, to offer that emotional support, maybe provide a little distraction while they were there waiting for a doctor. Anya ended up putting aside the things that she might rather have done that evening, simply to be there with Eden and let her know that she cared. And sometimes that, that action, having someone just be there with you, 
letting you know that they care, that's a huge comfort. It makes all the difference, especially if you're going through a rough time. How about you? When have you had a friend or a loved one, a family member, somebody who was hurting, and you've been able to do that, offered to be there with them, even if you can't do anything else other than give your time? And it might just be as simple as putting your own plans on hold for a short time. Coming alongside that person who's dealing with some sort of suffering or some sort of difficulty in their life, and you try and walk alongside them until they get to where they can receive more care or more assistance than you might be able to give on your own. But you at least are that accompaniment. And today on The Inner Life, we want to talk about how God can use us to accompany others especially in those times of crisis or sorrow. And our spiritual director for the hour today, joining us is Father Sam Martin. He's a priest in the Diocese of La Crosse, Wisconsin. He's the pastor of Holy Name of Jesus Parish in Wausau, Wisconsin. Father Martin, welcome back to The Inner Life. Oh, it's great to be with you, Josh, and uh, all of our faithful listening today. We, um, we can spend this time, see what the Lord has in store for us, and uh, accompaniment. That's a, it's a great anecdote that she gave. It's not always convenient, but it is a very potent way to grow closer to Jesus, who came not to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom. And now we are to imitate him the best we can. Well, and I think, you know, looking at accompanying others especially when they are going through some sort of difficulty, this really comes back to that second greatest commandment that Jesus gives us. The first, of course, being love God, the Father, the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. But then second, to love your neighbor as yourself. And then we also have in the creation story where God, after he creates Adam, he says it's not good for man to be alone. So then he creates Eve as that companion. That companionship is something that's so central and so key uh, to the Catholic Church. And I remember my before coming into the Catholic Church, there's a very strong kind of attitude or sentiment that I would have as a Baptist growing up, and I encountered this with all kinds of other people in Protestant churches, well, just Jesus and me, just Jesus and me. I don't really need anybody else, uh, but that, that's, not, <laughs> that's not how God designed us. We really do have to have other people in our life. Can you talk for a minute about the importance of having somebody to help, to walk alongside us, not only when we're going through difficult times, but just at all periods in our life? Yeah, well, we are of course, creating God's image and likeness and uh, the communion of persons. Love has to be given and received, so that's why there's a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that, uh, that it, otherwise, you know, on a deserted island, could we really love? I mean, if there's no one to love, there has to be an object, a recipient. So the Father loves the Son, and the Son reciprocates that love, and it's so potent that there's a third person, the Holy Spirit, and something, you know, somewhat similar between a husband and wife. The, the love can be so powerful that we have to give it a name, Bobby or Susie or Jimmy or Mary. I mean, it's, uh, that's the way that God designed us. And so not good for us to be alone. Uh, of course, loneliness is a separate thing. That's a part of original sin, and that's a, a struggle for lots of, well, probably uh, 99% of us. Uh, but to be alone is, uh, is more of a, a choice And so far as we, uh, we kind of uh, you know, become reclusive. And COVID made it clear that, golly, we're not, that's not going to be healthy for many of us spiritually, we're not in a place where we can handle that. See that the devil is um, is a prowling lion looking for someone to devour. So just me and Jesus. Well, 
it's usually other people that help us to see some of our blind spots. You know, loving God, uh, St. Therese, the little flower, she said, I don't know how well I'm doing that, but about my neighbor, I'm confronted with that every day, and that's a, a great litmus test to say, do I love, in her case, the Carmelite sisters in her monastery, that they were not easy for her to love, and she would have said the same about herself, that I probably am a, a handful for people because of my limitations and my idiosyncrasies and so forth. So many times we... Um, and maybe that's something else that you'll you'll see, like in other uh, Christian denominations, that uh, quoting the Bible and these sorts of things. Well, the devil can quote the Bible too, and he loves it when we're kind of on our own. You know, the spiritual uh, lone ranger. We canonically we're not really allowed. To, you know, a priest is always attached to a bishop. He owes his obedience to a person, uh, a human person in this case, and ultimately to Christ, who is a divine person. But there just are no spiritual lone rangers. We're supposed to have a spiritual director, someone that we're accountable to, someone that we're vulnerable with, uh, because otherwise it's very dangerous. I mean, the, the devil loves the person that, hey, I, I'm out here and I got it, I can handle this, and, well, we're exposed. It's a very spiritually dangerous position to be in, and uh, we don't like to need help. We don't like to admit that uh, we rely on others, but we do. And that's a step in the spiritual life. It's one of maturity to accept that, you know, with the Samaritan, the Good Samaritan, the parable we heard on Sunday. We play all of those different uh, roles at different times, but primarily Christ is the Good Samaritan, and we're the guy laying out on the ground there. We're all uh, left for dead, but uh, he's the one who came to rescue us, and uh, he wants us now, having received this as a gift, to go and do likewise, to be attentive to each other. So I think that uh, for those that are introverts, and uh, you know, I essentially am one by nature too, that COVID illustrated that, oh, I like this, you know, I don't have to be with anybody, I can, yeah, but that becomes a dangerous thing spiritually, we, uh, we're not stretched so much, we don't have to see anybody, so we can kind of, you know, give ourselves a sense that I, I must be fine, but when you're around people, you see that some of them are not so easy to love, and that's not always a reflection merely of them, it probably is a reflection of our own narrowness, and we don't like to be confronted with that, so if I just stay here by myself, I won't know that I'm not a saint. Well, <laughs> better to be out there with all the people. And some of them are all, you know, spiritually in very different places. And yet Jesus loved everyone. Uh, they weren't all able to receive his love. Many of them rejected it. And, and finally, you know, some of them decided he was worthy of death. But uh, he loved them nevertheless. Yeah, you know, when we, when we want to offer that help to somebody, too, uh, if we have been the recipient, as you're talking about, you know, God, Jesus himself is, is that good Samaritan. We're the one who is lying there on the side of the road in need of help. If we really have found ourselves in a position where we are in need of help, um, it brings that humility into our lives. And I think that, that can make us more apt to step forward and want to help somebody. But you talked about some of the dangers that we can run into of isolation. Uh, there's also the danger if we aren't prepared, if we are going to help somebody, especially in that kind of realm of spiritual accompaniment. You know, if we are not grounded in prayer and the sacraments, if we're trying to just offer help on our own strength, there might be noble intentions in that. But when we really are spending that time in prayer, as preparation, when we're making sure that uh, we've gone to confession regularly, that we've received the Eucharist regularly, that we're in a state of grace, 
and then we become more of a conduit for the Holy Spirit to work through us. That there's far more good that can come about by allowing ourselves to be that instrument that God uses to impact somebody's life, rather than us just trying to do it out of our own strength. It's absolutely well said. It's where the church, you know, she, as a mother, she wants to help us to teach us how to pray, to speak to God, but also to listen to God. And then she offers solid formation, uh, which is going to be necessary. This, you know, the life of virtue, the good habits uh, that help to push out to kind of the relentless ego that would otherwise we'd just live selfishly and and uh, and also a kind of a spirit of cowardice. But um, the formation that helps our mind to know the truth and and to embrace it and to recognize the things that are uh, lies that we reject and uh, the, the will that is, uh, struggles to do what is right, or like in the case of the priest and the Levite in the parable of the Good Samaritan, I mean, the sins of omission, the things that they could have done but didn't because they lacked charity or courage or uh, whatever it was that was necessary at that time. So uh, it, it's not an accident when people start to live uh, the way Jesus lived. They have um, made choices in their life. They've had certain epiphanies that, you know, I want to be like that. I want to live like that. Whoever that is, I, I see the goodness of his life. I see the beauty, and, and this is the beginning of a, a friendship with Jesus and that the imitation of Christ, which uh, Thomas A. Kempis, I think, has always been kind of the second most popular book in the world, second to the Bible, the imitation of Jesus, which uh, happens, you know, the knowledge that gets into our head, the formation that we receive intellectually. Uh, and this is where it doesn't, you don't have to go to a pontifical university. I mean, just, uh, you know, spiritual books, lives of the saints, uh, uh, reading the good news of the Gospels, just those four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, to read those continuously. I mean, these are things that form us. And then, of course, we have the catechism. If we want to understand, well, why does the Church teach these things? Where does that come from? Ultimately, it's all been revealed to us by God. And in the fullness of the Godhead, that we see the Son, we see the Father. And then the Son, you know, through the Paschal Mystery, ascends to heaven, and he sends the Holy Spirit to remind us of the things that he told us, and Jesus said, there are many more things I'd like to tell you, but you cannot bear them now. So all of these things then allow us to start living uh, a life that brings hope and peace and joy. Uh, we live in uh, troubled times, but were there any others? I mean, except uh, before original sin, it's always been a time of uh, unrest and division. And now with Roe versus Wade coming down, what a great opportunity for us, because there are going to be many people laid out along the road. And it's the damage that was done by abortion, and many of them didn't know. Anyway, the Lord will sort all that out. He decides. He's the one that can see the culpability and so forth. But we're to be a good neighbor. And, of course, when people are hurting, it comes out sometimes in the worst ways. They're angry. They're sad. They, uh, they just go after the people that are really trying to help them. But here's an opportunity for us to see if uh, where we are in our relationship with Jesus, if we're up to this challenge, and most of us are not, if we're honest, you know, then people, they start to say things, and we get angry, and we start to fight back in ways that are probably not that helpful. Uh, and so then the Lord would say, come to me. If you're weary, you find life burdensome. So as first we come to Jesus, then he sends us out two by two, and the world is uh, better for it. Yeah. Uh, talking with Father Sam Martin today here on The Inner Life, uh, how we accompany that person that we know, that loved one, that friend, that family member who might be going through a difficult time. And when have you been that person to help someone through that difficult time in their life? And, and what did you find that offered the most comfort in helping them? Or maybe 
you've been that person that had someone come into your life, gave you that kind of assistance. How did God use that time to help you grow in your faith and your trust in his providence? And our studio line, you can call in and share your story, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Father, you talk about, you know, Jesus sends out the apostles two by two, and they start impacting the world. Um, the and I, I was I was asking you about you know the the prayer that we have that comes before we go out the you know being united with the sacraments before we go out. There's also just merely our own protection that happens when we're grounded in prayer because there are so many opportunities when you're helping somebody when you're accompanying them. You can get emotionally invested. You can get personally involved. And it can open doorways for uh, <laughs> things that shouldn't happen. I, I'm thinking of one man in particular that, that I remember. Um, this wasn't in the Catholic Church. This was uh, before I ever became Catholic. But he was a leader in this church, an elder in this this uh, church. And a woman had recently been widowed. He was trying to help her, give counseling. He was married, ended up, because, because he got emotionally involved, had an affair, he came forward, you know, admitted what had happened. They cut it off. But, I mean, there was pain for him, for uh, his his wife and his family, but also for this woman who was already dealing with grief and sorrow, having been recently widowed. Now, all of a sudden, there's even more baggage on top of that that she's having to try and figure her way through there. So it's not only that it allows us when we're grounded in prayer when we're united to Christ through the sacraments, that it allows us to then carry out God's love to the world. It also is a protection for ourselves. Well, the devil is always, uh, you know, he is intimidated, he's threatened, he's actually, I mean, for all of his ferocity, he's, uh, you know, completely steeped in fear, but he cloaks it well by uh, being mean, and he doesn't uh, miss any opportunities to, to prey on human weakness, and who could understand the inner chambers of the human heart, right? So we we want to, we sometimes we really have good intentions, but then our weakness, our desire to love and to be loved, all of a sudden we find ourselves in a place where, and we'll get nudges from the devil to say, it's no big deal, everybody does it, hey, nobody's going to know, I mean, it's, you know, you're really kind of helping, and you have a right, or whatever, I mean, he just has uh, 10,000 lies, and when we uh, are in over our head a little bit, it's hard for us to admit that, and sometimes we uh, we fall into, you know, things that, are damaging. They don't necessarily destroy us, not yet, not unless we give our heart to it. I mean, there is a a hell, and we can go there, but God doesn't want that. And with His grace, we um, we don't want it either. It's just a matter of acknowledging that this is poison. And, uh, but people will think, well, if I, you know, grow closer to God, if I live my faith, if I really become, uh, you know, a witness, a disciple of Jesus, then I shouldn't, uh, you know, I, I should overcome sin, and I should, you know, be, you know, live in a very peaceful life. But that's where the devil becomes uh, irate, and uh, he's really uh, going to attack. And so I think that um, not that we want to dissuade anybody. I mean, it's, uh, you know, that uh, Dorothy Day always loved the Pope Pius the Twelfth quote that thank God we live in times such as these that allow none of us to be mediocre. So I mean, it's good news that if you're going to live your life and have faith in Jesus and, you know, try to be sincere and natural, not uh, some contrived way you're trying to draw attention to yourself, but just live in your faith in a secular world. 
uh, it's going to be a source of, of hope and joy for others and a, a source of struggle uh, for you. Now, that's the way it goes. That The Lord said, in the world you're going to have trouble, but do not fear. I've overcome the world. So he promises uh, a share in his cross. But uh, And this is the ordination rite of a priest, and it's um, applicable to, to marriage, uh, to every vocation, that model your life on the mystery of the Lord's cross. And uh, it's going to come in the ways that we might not anticipate. And But if we accept it with the spirit of, of the Blessed Mother, uh, asking her intercession, St. Joseph, all the powerful saints, uh, it makes us holy. It helps us to become little and, uh, and really to have a, a solidarity with sinners, not to be threatened by them, but to pray for them and to suffer with, for, and from them, if, if God permits, but to remember that's what he did for me. And uh, what I've received as gift, now I have this desire and this duty to share as gift. So uh, all of these things that um, we don't want to just go out there, you know, without any sort of uh, protection, like you said, and that's what prayer, the graces of the sacraments, they're necessary. Otherwise, we become a social worker. That's not a bad thing. They do some good, some great good. Right. But we are called to be spiritual and to be attentive to the, the life that will never end. We are dust, to dust we shall return. So, so many things that we get caught up in are really not that uh, essential in the greater scope of things. But the, the spiritual life, uh, that uh, goes on forever. And sadly, it gets uh, you know set aside and, and forgotten too many times. Father Sam Martin is our spiritual director today. He's a priest in the Diocese of La Crosse, Wisconsin, talking about how we can accompany others, especially in that spiritual accompaniment. Uh, if they're going through some sort of difficulty, some rough patch in their life. And when has that happened for you, that you've been that person to come alongside, help someone through that difficult time? Maybe you're the one who's been helped. How did God use that person to help you make it through that difficult time? And how did it help you? How did it help them, both of you, grow closer to God? How did it help you to see that God cares for you and he provides for you, even when things do look dire or things look like, can they get any better? You know, that, that there's, there's that worry that's ahead of you. How has God worked in that person's life or allowed you to be that person to help somebody through that time? 888-914-9149 is the line to call into the studio here, 888-914-9149. And we'll be back with more on this conversation in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Today, we'd like to thank John, who's listening in Louisiana, for donating his Hyundai. Join thousands of other listeners in donating your old vehicle by visiting RelevantRadio.com slash car. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Is there somebody in your life who you've helped in that tough moment? They're going through something, and you can tell God wants you to walk alongside them, be there, accompany them through that difficulty, whatever it might be. That's what we're talking about here today on The Inner Life with our spiritual director, Father Sam Martin. And we'd love to hear your story, how you've been able to offer that help, or maybe you've been on the receiving end. Somebody has helped you. You know, maybe it was through the loss of someone that you loved. Maybe it was through uh, something like the loss of a job. 
something that you're struggling with maybe as an addiction and somebody's come along and helped you. 888-914-9149 is the number to call into our studio here and join the conversation. 888-914-9149. Or you can email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Uh, Father Martin, if someone we know is going through that difficult time, it might be good to talk about how we can discern if we are the right person to offer that assistance, or maybe even to what degree that we can offer them some comfort, some help. And I know this is a very broad question because everybody's situation is going to be unique and a little different. Uh, but without going into a lot of specifics on details or you know different possible iterations of uh, you know those rough times that we might go through, when we encounter somebody who is going through that tough time, are there any kind of basic steps that we can take that would help us know, am I the right person to step forward and, and come alongside them? Well, God's will is typically known in kind of a gentle peace and not, you know, the urgency of like, you know, we sometimes see ourselves as the knight in shining armor and I'll just come along and, and this person will be fixed or we sometimes detect our own ulterior motives that I really like this person and if I can be of assistance then maybe they'll really like me or whatever. There are just a lot of things to sort out, but in the end is is the, the person of prayer is going to have a sense of peace or not and uh, keeping in mind the things that Jesus taught in the scripture when it's our own family, it's not going to necessarily go so well. We uh, want our families to be unified and reconciled and, and just perfect, I suppose, but that's not going to be the case until uh, eternity with God in heaven. So I think that the main thing is that to be aware of something, we don't want to just like the priest or Levi just walk on by and not make any inquiries like, are you okay? Is there anything I can do for you? Uh, and we also have to recognize this person has a right to, to decline. You know, they'd rather not have our help. We're not the right person. Uh, and that's going to happen, you know, uh, fair percentage of the time, so not to, to get too bent out of shape, but to make sure that we are aware of the, and, you know, making ourselves uh, present, but not, uh, you know, saying that, well, I have to save everybody. The other extreme is I won't help anybody but me. I'm just, you know, and can't be bothered by anybody else. Well, somewhere in between, the, you know, those two extremes would be the virtuous way, but we want to make sure with God's help to to make it a a moment of contact and encounter with him. Like, you know, when we pray the Our Father, do we mean it? Your will be done in this situation, too, for this person. And uh, so just showing up, uh, making it clear that we're, you know, we're happy to... And sometimes all we can do is offer our prayers, And uh, but that's not a minimal thing. That maybe is the most important thing. You know, I'm also thinking about, as you're talking we can have that attitude of we're going to be the knight in shining armor, as you put it. You know, we're going to be the ones to offer that help. And we might kind of get this, <laughs> this thought of, oh, look at how great I am. I'm helping this person. You know, I I'm going to be there and I'm going to see how God's going to make a difference in their life. God's going to change, you know, in some way what's happening here and draw them close to him. But if we really allow ourselves to be used by God and we're not doing it out of our own need to, you know, receive a pat on the back or think how great we are, God can also really change us. We can have that interior impact, that interior change. If we approach helping somebody with an attitude of, I'm your servant, God, rather than here, I'm going to help and, you know, 
God will come alongside and help. <laughs> if we have that servant attitude, it'll make a big difference in how God transforms our heart alongside the heart of that person who is going through the difficulty. It's a key because, you know, we have a need to be needed, right? And this kind of codependency sort of thing, and it feels good. It's gratifying when we're of service to somebody. Maybe there are people that never really discover that, but there is a certain natural uh, joy. But because of our relentless ego, it has to be held in check by a God who, you know, that not to us, Lord, but to your name, give the glory. We're just unprofitable servants. We only did what God asked of us. And Jesus says that don't rejoice that you can drive out demons, but that your names are written in heaven. In other words, don't get so caught up in like, look at what we did. Oh, man, that's amazing. And we're pretty soon, we're we're just uh, you know, the navel-gazing kind of, uh, you know, self-love that is not love at all. So that's where the, the Lord is, has his way of, of purifying, refining that. So doing the right thing for the right reason. Uh, many times you'll see when people describe charity that it's um, don't let, let your right hand know what your left is doing because it becomes, uh, you know, kind of narcissistic. And the, there's so many different traps. And the devil doesn't want us to do anything for anyone but ourselves. But if we're going to, well, then he just, you know, he changes the game. He changes what he's going to, his tactics He's, uh, you know, like St. Ignatius of Loyola said, that he's a, he knows strategy. He's like, a, you know, a guy on the battlefield that he just, oh, he's going to be watching. And he, So not that this should deter us from trying to do the right thing. Many of us, you know, we start in when it just exposes where we're at, our relationship, the immaturity, uh, the insecurity in our heart. Okay, that's how we grow. And, you know, at first I remember one time I was at a youth conference and, um, it was uh, time for adoration. Some kid just yelled out, you know, like, Jesus, I love you. And, uh, you know, uh, that's nice for a teenage kid, you know. And then another kid said, Jesus, I love you more. And I'm like, oh, man, you guys, you don't know what you're saying. I mean, it's, the most important thing is that, Jesus, you love me. And I don't know, you know, why. I'm not worthy of it, but it is your gift. And that starts to purify. Then there's this humility, this gratitude, it's all a gift. Like, if I love God, it's only with the love that he gave me. I'm just giving back to him what was his anyway. Uh, so if there's any credit, really, it goes to him. But we have to start somewhere. So uh, if any of those kids are listening on the radio today, they're like, that was me. I'm No judgment. I'm sure you've come a long way by then. I think I giggle because I, I could see myself in that. Sure. You think, hey, you know, Lord, you don't know how lucky you are to have a guy like me. And I'm sure he has to smile and say, okay, all right, well, we've got a few miles to go. It's the what they call kenosis, right, the self-emptying, So, it, which is not to say that we beat ourselves up. That doesn't honor our Creator, but uh, kind of forget about, you know, who we are and how important we are. And we're just thinking about God and His people, and there's a freedom in that. There's always enough love left for us, but it's it was never really meant to be about us. So there are lots of things that... Um, the Lord, uh, he's a wise God, and he's a patient God, and he has to work, and he wants to work, uh, but sometimes we're so oh, stubborn that he waits. He says, okay, we're going to have to let you uh, come to your senses a little bit, like the, the, the younger son and the prodigal uh, son and so forth. Like He finally kind of starts to have a conversion. And look at how the Father runs right out to him. He's ready. At the moment our heart turns, the Father runs to us. And something new begins. Our spiritual director is Father Sam Martin here on The Inner Life, talking about how we accompany others when they're going through difficulties, how we can be that spiritual companion for them. And when have you done that? 
helped somebody through that difficult time in their life? And how did God use you in that moment? Or maybe you're the one who had been helped at a point in your life. How did God use somebody else to help you? And how did both of you grow closer to God, whether that was through some sort of loss in your life, maybe a difficult uh, period where you were struggling with addiction, whatever it might be, uh, you can call in and share your story at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Father Rose is listening in Westfield, New Jersey. Hi, Rose. Thanks for calling in. Hello. How are you? Great. It's a Thanks beautiful for day. calling, Rose. Yeah. Um, uh, a bunch of years ago, a good friend had had many miscarriages. She wanted a second child, and she finally got pregnant after, I don't know, five or six, many, many. And so together for the whole pregnancy, we each gave up something small, nothing big, and fasted for that time. And then we talked, uh, prayed with each other over the phone. And um, she had a beautiful little girl, and the little girl is now a a mother. Hmm. And uh, she reminds me of that all the time. And I, like you said, I don't even think about it, you know. I don't want to think it was me, (laughs) but it was just going with her and how sad she was not being able to have another child and how grateful she was to God. That's a great story, Rose. It reminds us some of the stories in the Bible, the Old Testament, and how we prayed for you, we begged God for you, and every child is a gift, but I suppose sometimes we're just more aware of it. It doesn't, you know, say that, the ones we didn't pray for are any less than a gift, but subjectively, our hearts were ready, I mean, to really receive that joy because of all the, the sorrows and um, all the little ones that uh, the mom will someday meet in heaven that didn't get a chance to be born down here. But the one who was is a, a now kind of a tangible reminder to you, Rose, and, and to the mom that you are the answer to our prayers. And our prayer, no prayer is said in vain, even if it hadn't come to fruition the way it had, you know, we would have said, well, the Lord used those prayers in other ways. He had other people in need, and maybe in another time, in another place, a mother will have a, a, you know, difficult time bringing children into the world, but even so, those prayers will be used in that situation. But once in a while, we're all human. See, we we need, I think we, uh, you know, Jesus said, you want a sign. Yeah, we do, and we want a, a sign that the prayers somehow, someday, we're not in vain. Uh, so in speaking of pro-life things, I mean, the ending of the, the terrible legacy of Roe versus Wade is a reminder to the country, to the world, to each one of us, that God listens to prayers, and he sees our sacrifices, and he wants there to be just law that is based in the truth of uh, the sanctity of the human person. So uh, for those who have prayed for almost a half a century, we do want some indication that did it make any impact or was it in vain well no prayer is in vain it's just our faith sometimes isn't as strong but you and the mom and this little girl well all raised up now become a mom of her own uh what a beautiful experience of that communion that we will one day share and it um 
love and suffering in this life go hand in hand. In the next life, the suffering has come to its end. It's produced a fruit that will remain, and it'll just be love. But down here, it's uh, we have both, and it goes better with friends, especially when they have such a deep spiritual life. So, Rose, what a uh, what a remarkable testimony that you share, and um, I imagine there are many others that are thinking that's a great way to help each other along, yeah. uh, just to walk with each other. We we can't make any promises or any assurances, but um, our prayers and sacrifices, oh, those always have a nice audience right there in the presence of God. Uh, Rose, thanks again for calling in and sharing. And uh, Father, in listening to Rose, too, one of the things that struck me as she was sharing that she, along with this other woman, you know, they prayed together, they fasted together. Um, there's... I think when we're, we're with that person who's going through that difficult time, we might want to find our, we find ourselves in a position where we want to offer advice or we want to try and solve a problem, whatever it is that they're going through. How can we try and resolve this? And sometimes that might not be the right thing. You know, there, there might be times where it's more important just simply to be there, to be able to listen and not necessarily have to have the answers, because sometimes there aren't answers that can help in those situations. Uh, But there's also that ability to say, you know what, I can't fix this for you, but I can pray with you, and we're just going to pray together. And even if it doesn't fix anything on the surface, at least we know that we're turning to God, and he'll give us a peace. When will that come? I don't know, but God, he promises that we will have a peace that goes beyond our our understanding. And so let's turn to him right now. Uh, Being able to do that, I think, is so important and not necessarily having to feel like you have to provide an answer or you have to come up with a fix-it kind of solution for the problem. It's one of the harder aspects probably for us as priests, especially as men who are designed by God to, you know, to fix things. Well, it's when you're dealing with the human heart, I mean, all day, every day, I can't fix anything. I have to learn to accept that God will, he'll do it in his own time, in his own way. But a friend of mine, he's struggled for years with some illness, and uh, after it kind of came to its end, he said, you know, you are the one guy who just listened. You never tried to fix or didn't have any advice. You didn't tell me to take this, call me in the morning. Uh, he said, everyone else was telling me that, you know, get over it, move on. Let it. You were the one guy that just listened. And I said, well, I didn't know what else to do. I mean, I didn't have any advice. I, it was in over my head. But it's really a very simple thing. And this is where, like, uh, you know, becoming more attuned to the real presence of Jesus. It's clear you could see this in Mother Teresa. They said that uh, now the great saint of Calcutta that, when she was listening to you, she was genuinely interested. She was fully present. And we all know what it's like when somebody isn't, and it seems like they want to check a text message or they're, they're in a hurry. You can feel it, right? I mean, it's just a pretty obvious thing. And But Mother Teresa, I'm convinced that all those hours spent in the presence of God changed her heart. I mean, that she was present to people, and she'd be the first to say, He does that for me. And you know what that means to a person, especially when you feel like you're a little person, not significant. I'm poor, I'm sick, 
I'm a street person, and yet you look at me, you, you see me, and you listen to me, and I don't think our hearts can do that, uh, not naturally. That's a supernatural dimension, and I mean, I recognize it. I'm not very good at it, but I, uh, I'm hoping that someday uh, that part of me will grow too. But that's where, you know, just that, that ministry of, of presence, of uh, you don't have to fix anybody. Accompaniment is, well, these years now that are going to be really dedicated in a very singular way to the, the Eucharist, to Jesus, his real presence among his people. Uh, that might uh, show itself in how we become better at this little skill that... Uh, it goes all the way back uh, to Jesus, to asking us to be like him, a good Samaritan who recognizes that people are sick and alone and discouraged, and I can't heal them, but I can walk with them for a little while, and uh, that <laughs> makes all the difference. Talking with Father Sam Martin today here on The Inner Life. He's the pastor of Holy Name of Jesus Parish in Wausau, Wisconsin, and uh, talking about how we can let God work through us when we accompany others. And maybe you've been that person, you've been able to walk alongside somebody else as they've been going through some rough patch in their life, or maybe you were the one in that difficult moment in your life and somebody came alongside you. What happened? When did that happen for you and and how did God use that moment to draw you closer to Him and to help somebody else grow closer in their relationship with Christ. 888-914-9149 is our studio line, and you can join us here calling 888-914-9149 or email us at relevantradio.com, and we'll be back with more right after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. We receive hundreds of your phone calls every day, all thanks to the Catholic Order of Foresters studio line. Our sponsor offers flexible life insurance and annuities. Visit relevantradio.com slash Forrester today, an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states. Back to the inner life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, joined today by Father Sam Martin. He's a priest in the Diocese of La Crosse, Wisconsin. And today we're talking about how we can walk alongside those people in our lives that might be going through a difficult moment and how God can use us in that moment, not only to help that person, but actually to help draw us closer to Christ as well. And how has that happened in your life? We'd love to hear that experience in your life, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Father, you know, we've been talking about being able to come alongside that person, that we might be able to pray with them, just simply listen. Uh, What about if we have, we've gone through that discernment that you kind of talked about, we have that peace that, yeah, this is where God seems to be calling and directing me to just be available for that person. But that person that we want to accompany, that we want to help, they just want to isolate themselves. They don't want help from us or, or from anyone. And they just want to, I guess, kind of wallow in their misery. You know, um, is there anything that we can do in that case other than maybe just from a distance pray for that person? Yeah, it's going to be prayer and fasting. I, the Lord, he says sometimes we have to shake the dust off our sandals and move along. And um, 
somebody this morning gave me this little prayer. It's the Association of Marian Helpers, Stockbridge, and it's called Trust Me. Anyway, I just read a little bit of it. It says, I have not put you in charge of redeeming them. This is Jesus speaking. I have done that already. Nor do you have the power to change their hearts. Only my Holy Spirit searches and knows the deepest hearts of men and women, and only he can heal their deepest wounds. Your task is to love, to forgive, to pray for them, and to turn them over to me. Come closer to me yourself, and I will do the rest. Trust me. <laughs> Pretty sage advice, really, and um, we're going to run into those occasions, oh, on a regular basis. I mean, the biggest thing, probably the, I would say maybe almost the most significant hurdle in, in any conversion is to recognize that Houston, we have a problem. You know, I, I'm sick. I'm not the good Samaritan. I'm the guy in the, you know, in the street. And uh, Oscar Wilde said, you know, we're all laying in the gutter, but some of us are gazing upon the stars. It's just a matter of, of a turn of the heart that we're all broken. None of us is going to save ourselves. We, but it's hard to admit that. And sometimes um, we're the wrong person. They might be able to admit it to somebody else, but not to us for whatever reason. We accept. There'll be others. We're not going to serve them all, and we're not going to save any of them. But uh, it does remind us that you know, the Lord was rejected lots of times by lots of people. And uh, he kept going. You know, he didn't lose his, uh, his spirit. He didn't lose his, uh, his courage. But we do. You know, sometimes that makes us feel like, you know, I quit. You know, I, I tried, I failed, and I'm just done. Well, there will be other days, other people, other situations. There's no sense quitting. But... Um, it happens to all of us. We're not the right person, especially in our families, incidentally. Uh, typically, that's where it can be most disheartening because I'd really like to help this person. I really love this person, yeah. and uh, I can't. But the Lord says, I have someone else. You follow me. What about him? What about, I'll take care of them. I got somebody lined up. You don't. You follow me. Put your hand to the plow. Don't look back. And uh, it goes better if we do that. Uh, what about if we are able to come alongside that person, but... <sighs> Their, whatever they've gone through has brought them to a point where they're angry with God or maybe they're questioning God, you know, why would he allow this to happen? Any advice on how you can maintain, uh, I, I guess, being supportive, not invalidating feelings, but at the same time uh, helping them to maybe see that their anger isn't actually directed toward God himself, that there might be something else going on there that's the root of that that anger it's important to get them to that level i mean if they just admit that they are angry that's a you know a sign that things are starting to kind of loosen up i mean the indifference i'm fine there's nothing wrong i that's the you know then you're kind of at a uh, a real impasse but here you know anger is the, not the opposite of love it's kind of a cousin it's a passion uh so it needs just the grace to see, you know, that St. Paul says, be angry, but do not sin. So there can still be sin in it, uh, how much, and well, the Lord will sort that out. But I think it's really important. That's where just talking about your, the anger. I mean, God works in the light, so as soon as we start to tell somebody about it, especially if it's somebody that isn't encouraging the anger and isn't in the same place, so then it's just misery likes company, and we just wallow in our self-pity. But if it, we're telling somebody that, is listening and loving and praying for us. Well, I mean, that's God's domain. If we don't tell anybody, that's the problem, and it leads to lots of uh, terrible things that we've seen in terms of the violence and so forth in this country. The people that, if you could just go talk to somebody, just tell them that I'm thinking about doing something wicked. Well, usually it's first that we say it. Now it looks different. 
you know, but it's in the darkness that the devil does his great, uh, you know, that's where he, he does his most terrible work. And uh, we, we're happy when people come to us and say, I'm angry with God. We're not happy that, you know, that's where they're at, but it's a big step. It's, uh, you know, the first of many others that will come, but that one is probably the, the most insurmountable, or so it seems at the time. And uh, we don't want to say, well, you shouldn't be angry. No, I mean, look at the book of Job. Wrestle with God. Tell him, I mean, he's going to have a few questions for you too, but get it off your chest. You know, throw your tantrum. The Lord can handle it. And uh, when you're done, uh, he'll be right there to say, okay, I know. I understand. I, you do? You care? Well, why don't you do something? You weren't ready before, and now you are. And now you've given me access to your heart. God's a respectful being. is a perfect being. His timing is always impeccable. But um, unless we can name those things and bring them to someone who be a good listener, uh, we can get stuck for a while. Yeah, uh, Father, you've made mention of a number of different saints, St. Saint Therese, St. Mother Teresa, St. Ignatius, throughout the course of the hour. Uh, any other saints that maybe stand out to you that might be good kind of continued reading, looking at their lives as someone who came alongside somebody else, accompanying them in a difficult time in their life? Yeah, there's a great book that I just read. I have to look at if it's up on my shelf. But anyway, it's a, it talks about the relationship between St. Francis de Sales and St. Jane Francis de Chantel, that she was a hard charger. And the book is by this. It's called The Heart of Perfection by Colleen Carroll Campbell. And, uh, you know, we do have this kind of want to be a saint, want to have it on my time and my terms. And Anyway, that he, you know, he recognized some of the ferocity of uh, his own temper and, and hers too, and uh, they found a gentle way. Uh, and that was his favorite fruit of the Holy Spirit, the gentleness, uh, the patience, and, you know, the goodness of God. That uh, Rome wasn't built in a day. It was built, so we've got to start, but, uh, you know, it's, it's not going to happen overnight. So that can be discouraging, but, well, I guess it, it's meant to be humbling, which is a good thing. All right. Again, the name of that book, A Heart of Perfection by Colleen Carroll Campbell. Uh, she's brilliant. I, I, I'm a big fan of hers. Um, so uh, great suggestion for continued reading on this subject. Father, we're down to about 30 seconds here. Could I ask you to offer a blessing to our listeners as we conclude the hour? May God bless and accompany each one of you with his saints. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Father Sam Martin, thanks again for being here with us. Thank you for listening and being a part of the program as well. Apologies to those of you uh, who uh, we didn't have a chance to get on the air that called in. Um, I want to encourage you to join us tomorrow on the program. It's going to be one of the toughest questions that we face. We kind of talked a little about it here at the end of the hour, but why would a good God allow suffering? Why would God allow bad things to happen in our lives? And yes, there are answers to those questions, and we're going to get into that tomorrow, and hopefully that'll help give you reassurance as you move forward in your spiritual walk, in your spiritual journey. Look forward to that conversation tomorrow here on The Inner Life. Stay tuned, Mass, coming up next, followed by The Faith Explained here on Relevant Radio.